Grandma Jane was full of life. She lit up a room not only because she was the sharpest dresser there, or because her signature perfume, Beautiful, followed her wherever she went, but because her energy and spirit lit up the space she entered. She was exuberant, zestful, and spirited. Heads turned when Grandma Jane walked in. She was a tall, thin woman, always dressed to the nines, with dark hair and fierce blue eyes, with a heart of gold and spirit as feisty and tough as they come. She was our rock, our fierce family matriarch. She guided our family with high standards and limitless love. What is a matriarch? The dictionary defines it as a highly respected woman who is often the powerful head of a family. Yes, Jane Hopman was our powerful, highly respected, and loved matriarch. She was our family's foundation and guiding light. She was our bright North Star, full of wisdom from her near 95 years of life, with a heart full of love for her family. Jane Dreyer Hopman was born on March 9, 1926, the only child of Alfred and Alice Clay Dreyer in Seneca, South Dakota. Her mother passed away when she was only four months old, so she lived with her maternal grandparents until she was seven years old, at which time she was taken to the farm with Alfred and her new family between Seneca and Falkton, South Dakota. She often said she lost two mothers in her childhood. She shared with me how hard this was on her as a little girl, and in the way that she would steel herself to reflect on those times, I could tell she had grown up ahead of her time at such a young age. At just seven, I sensed that she'd learned she would need to be strong, stronger than most, and that she would need to work hard, harder than most, and that's what she did. Jane graduated with honors from Seneca High School in 1943. She attended Northern State Teachers College in Aberdeen, South Dakota, earning a teacher's certificate. She began teaching at North Canton School near Seneca, South Dakota, until Chalmer Hotman swept her off her feet. They were married in 1945 in Florida, where Chalmer was stationed in the Navy. After the war, they returned to Seneca, where they farmed, and Jane taught country school once again at North Canton at the request of the county school superintendent. Her first son, Donovan, was born in 1948. Jane and Chalmer's goal of continuing college caused them to make 200-mile trips to South Dakota State University. At the same time, they farmed and ran an oil and gas business. Jane was pursuing a degree in home economics and convinced the college registrar that her son would not cause a problem if she could bring him to her classes. So Jane and her four-year-old son Donovan attended college together. She certainly learned about all the home and economics while in school as she was an outstanding cook, financial manager, and housekeeper. Jane's million-dollar smile had hid many heartbreaking situations. She suffered the loss of her baby daughter, Jaylene, who was born in 1951 and died suddenly at the age of two months. As she did all of her life, Jane squared her shoulders and moved on, but with a big piece of her heart missing. Jane and Chalmer purchased the John Deere implement business in 1957 in Gettysburg, South Dakota. She was critical to the management of that business. At the same time, she managed the Pioneer Seed Corn Sales, holding one of the oldest franchises in South Dakota. Her second son, Jeffrey, was born in 1957. He became the, quote, million-mile kid because he rode in the car back and forth from the farm to the implement so often. 
Luckily, he was a sound sleeper, and he was able to sleep in Jane's office while she handled the roles of bookkeeper, secretary, financial manager, and more. Jane's life revolved around her family, and she always put us first. She rarely missed her son's baseball and basketball games. To this day, my dad still reflects that she never missed one of his baseball practices or games or any of Jeffrey's basketball games. And at the same time, she still managed to have three meals a day prepared, never knowing who Chalmer would invite at the last minute to join them, but welcoming his unexpected guests into her home each time with grace and kindness. He would often drag salesmen from the implement home with him for lunch, and Jane would greet them at the door with a hello and add an extra place setting for them without missing a beat. Her list of accomplishments and skills doesn't stop there, however. She learned to co-pilot Chalmers' airplane. She drove tractors, combines, and grain trucks. She knew how to herd buffalo. She rode horses, cleaned pheasants, and canned corn. There wasn't much she couldn't do. Most importantly, she gave her love unconditionally. Her sons each married, Donovan to my mother Carol and Jeffrey to Bridget, and Grandma's heart expanded even more to share her unconditional love with her two daughters-in-law. Both shared close relationships with Jane, creating their own special memories and traditions with her, and the arrival of her granddaughters stretched her heart almost too big for her body. When Grandpa Chalmers suddenly passed away from a heart attack in 1986, Grandma Jane stepped into the role of president of Hotman Implement and continued to farm. As a young girl at the time, I recall finding this so impressive and inspiring. And at the same time, it was like, well, yeah, naturally, Grandma stepped in and did what needed to be done. One specific story from that time epitomizes Grandma's grit. When she got an offer to sell the implement, she was up day and night going over the books. She was to meet the buyer and his attorney in Aberdeen, about 100 miles from Gettysburg. Exhaustion set in, and she apparently fell asleep at the wheel, crossing over lanes, going into the ditch, where she hit an approach. Her car was upside down. So she crawled out the back window. She gathered the books, got a hold of friends who drove her to Aberdeen. She had dirt and some blood on her clothes, but she made the deal and they didn't argue with her because she was so prepared. She did successfully then sell the implement and her home in 1988 and moved to Sioux Falls, South Dakota while continuing to manage the farm operations. She spoiled her four granddaughters, Heather, Jessica, Tiffany, and me. Spoiled with a capital S. There was never a second when we doubted her love for us, not one second. Jeffrey's daughters are blessed with amazing magical talents, both in voice and instrumental talents. Grandma always delighted in hearing them sing and perform. Amazing Grace was a top choice of hers, and they often sang it together as a trio when our family was together. She was so proud of her granddaughters. We always knew we had her support in our endeavors. We were blessed by her unconditional love, friendship, and listening ear. She retired in 1994 and rented out her farmland, spending winters in Mesa, Arizona, dancing, playing shuffleboard and golfing, and spending her summers in Sioux Falls. In 2010, Grandma Jane won a gold medal in the South Dakota Senior Games in shuffleboard in the 70-plus age group, and she was at the age of 84. Yeah, like I said, she was amazing. In 2006, she sold her homes and moved to Omaha to be closer to her family. She downsized into an apartment in an assisted living facility and willingly gave up her car keys. I know this was a really hard thing for her, as she was always fiercely independent and self-reliant, with a lead foot on the gas pedal, you know, places to go and things to do. 
But once again, doing the right thing meant doing the hard thing, and Grandma did not run from doing hard things. Around her two boys, she was whole. Those three were a united front in a way not many families experience. They were a team balanced in strengths and opinions. It is a testament to the way she raised them, both very different men, equally, lovingly, guided by her faith and strong morals. She raised two very, very good men, both good in heart and mind, devoted sons, fathers, and husbands. She was always so proud of her boys. In recent years, they reversed roles with her and became her caregiver. I know how much she appreciated their time and efforts because she spoke of it every time we talked. She expressed her thanks for her sons, and even more so, she often commented to me just how thankful she was that Jeffrey and Donovan have such a close relationship with one another. You can see so much of Grandma Jane in both of them, in their commitments to high standards, being one's best, doing a job and doing it well with their soft and strong hearts. I was incredibly lucky to have my Grandma Jane for 41 years. She taught me so much, both with her words and stories and by her example. Every day, I strive to be like her and hope I'll be at least half the woman she was. My memories would fill volumes, but here are just a few. I remember like it was yesterday, standing up in her Cadillac sunroof, my hair blowing in the wind, laughing. I'd hear her below me driving, laughing too. Those were magic moments, just being with her in the Cadillacs she drove, always with the gold package, sporty and classy cars perfect for my sporty and classy grandmother Jane. Grandma and I shared a love of sparkly jewelry. I remember as a young girl admiring the diamond ring she wore on her left ring finger, a ring she purchased for herself after Grandpa Chalmer died, a gorgeous, brilliant diamond on the hands of my gorgeous and brilliant Grandma Jane. For me, it was less about the way the ring looked and more about what it stood for. I was seven years old when Grandpa passed away, and while I was too young to fully appreciate all that it meant for her to lose her husband, my impression of Grandma during that time and in the years after was that she stepped up to do hard things even when she was afraid. She did not run from scary things. She summoned her courage, straightened her dress, stood up tall, and she handled it. She did what needed to be done. To me, the ring signified her tenacity, her fierceness and resilience. Her dresses, paired with high heels, were always stunning and elegant. She was tenacious and elegant both. Grit and grace both. I once played Furelise for a piano recital, and it became a song she often requested of me. While playing the piano with a crowd made me nervous, sweaty under my armpits, racing heart rate kind of nervous, I would willingly comply for her. She loved that song, and I loved to play it for her, most recently at her 80th birthday party. My heartbeat thudded in my ears from nerves, but seeing her face, the nervousness was all worth it. That's what we do for our brave and bold Grandma Jane. We are brave and bold. My cousins put together an amazing musical performance that day, and Grandma would rave for years that it was the best birthday celebration anyone had ever seen. One of the many stories her son, sons like to tell is the time Grandpa came home with a Christmas present for Grandma, a hairdryer. They were on sale and flying off the shelf. He was so tickled with the deal and that he managed to score one, he couldn't wait to surprise Grandma. But here's the deal. 
Grandma had been going to the beauty parlor for years to get her hair done. She did not style her own hair and therefore had absolutely no need for a hairdryer. While I wasn't present on that occasion, I know Grandma. She would have accepted her gift with grace and gratitude, albeit some likely confusion. I bet she made Grandpa feel like a million bucks in that moment because that's just who she was. I was very blessed to enjoy a close relationship with Grandma Jane from the time I was a little girl. Unlike parents who have to discipline their children day to day, grandmothers get to simply enjoy the company of their grandkids. Grandma Jane and I enjoyed week-long visits when I'd stay with her in the summers in Gettysburg or later on in her Mesa or Sioux Falls homes. We always enjoyed shopping together, and for some unknown reason, we'd get to giggling and we couldn't stop. Our laughing fits would catch the attention of lookers-on, and they'd smile too. The inside jokes between us, known only by us and our time together, were an apparent elixir for laughter. Those times were pure gold for me. We exchanged letters most of my life until recently when she began to lose her desire to write and preferred the phone. We settled into a Sunday evening phone call routine for the last few years. We'd catch up on her goings-on in the assisted living facility, and I'd catch her up on my life. And she'd say to me, Megan, I don't know how you do it all. And I'd laugh and reply, Grandma, you were doing twice as many things when you were my age, and frankly, for your entire life. She would laugh and admit that, yes, I was right. Truthfully, she was still doing it all. At 94, she still walked miles outside or indoors when the weather dictated. She did every single activity that her assisted living facility offered except for swimming. She was the resident to whom her neighbors came asking what was scheduled for that day. She was the one who rounded up comments from other residents for the comment box. Often the leader and spokeswoman, always impeccably organized, prepared, and put together. Always. On my last call with her a few weeks ago, she told me to take care of myself to stay healthy. She told me she was still praying for me even as she was battling illness and feeling worse and worse. She was sending her strength and prayers my way. That's what she did for us. She always had family first on her mind and prayers in her heart for us. I was so proud that I had a grandmother so full of life, so energetic, able to do so many things and do them well, with class discipline, and rigor. She was not the average grandmother, that's for sure. And with all due respect, she'd run circles around most people's grandmothers. Frankly, she ran circles around everyone. She was limitless. In my 41 years of knowing Grandma Jane and loving her and learning from her, here's what I believe she stood for. First and foremost, a strong faith, the foundation in her life, She instilled her faith in her family as well, her attendance in church a constant in her life, her prayers regular, and her self-study of the Bible and readings a daily practice. And second only to her faith, family. Grandma Jane demonstrated fierce, loyal, unconditional love for her kids, their wives, and her grandkids. She showed support and sometimes tough love too, but always her focus was first on her family and we knew that we were her most important and top focus. It is an incredible thing for one to leave such a legacy of unwavering love. She epitomized elegance to me. She dressed sharply and impeccably. She was witty. She listened and could recall things in a way no one else could. She could entertain, converse, dance, sing, cook. She could make anyone feel like a million bucks with her attention, her smile, 
the way she'd remember things about them, her ability to recall names, faces, and stories was simply unmatched. She stood for being the best, being her best, always doing one's best and doing it well. From the way she held herself to the way she spoke, Grandma Jane represented self-respect, high standards, and discipline. You'd never see her do anything half-assed. That just wasn't in her nature to do less than her best. I always respected this trait in her. This woman whose bed was made meticulously each morning, who was dressed to the nines even if just to do housework and open mail, whose kitchen was spotless and whose floor was clean enough to eat from. She took care of her homes, her cars, her possessions, this woman who came from very simple means, who worked hard her entire life. She showed me what it meant to be disciplined, to respect oneself in presentation, and to respect one's possessions and obligations. Implicit in this was her incredible work ethic. Grandma Jane never stopped moving. She was a constant flurry of motion, cooking, cleaning, pressing clothes, doing bookwork, running errands. She ran circles around us. That woman worked her tail off. I often wondered if work was meditative for her. She never sat still. She was often dubbed the Energizer Bunny by our family and those who knew her. Yet ever so occasionally, if she sat down for only a few seconds too long, her head would fall back and she would close her eyes and rest. Otherwise, you were hard-pressed to rise earlier than she did in the morning or get to bed after she finally retired. She seemed to run on love for her family, adrenaline, and a cup of coffee. And Werther's Caramels, her favorite, plus the occasional bowl of vanilla ice cream, her other favorite. This self-discipline and confidence gave her an aura of strength. While she was tall and thin, her metal was thick and strong. Grandma Jane was one tough cookie, loving and kind, but firm. She showed me what it meant to stand strong even when things are hard, to do or say the hard things even when it would be easier to shy away or remain silent, and to be respectful even when disagreeing with someone. Grandma Jane also showed me what it meant to be fearless. She'd had a very impactful experience with water as a young girl and as a result lived with a paralyzing fear of water and drowning her entire life. Did this stop her from going snorkeling with her family in her 70s? No, it did not. Did her fears stop her from going parasailing above water in Hawaii? No. This is a woman who learned how to downhill ski in her 50s who learned how to co-pilot her husband's Cessna plane, who stepped in to run the Hotman business when her husband suddenly passed away. A lesser woman would have shied away from these challenges and fears. My grandma rarely said, I can't. Instead, she would gather herself and her courage, and then she'd go for it. I trust that she transitioned to her heavenly eternity much the same way, fearlessly, boldly. COVID kept us from being able to spend time at her bedside at the end, and while my family mourns the chance to have spent the last few weeks surrounding her, telling her we love her and sharing stories, laughing and crying with her, I also have peace knowing she got to take her time in greeting death on her own terms with some well-deserved peace and quiet around her. She was able to once and for all set down her lifelong role of caregiver, and she could simply be. I believe, even at the very end, she knew how much we all loved her, and in our absence in her room, she could welcome her transition to heaven on her own terms, 
quietly and peacefully. I trust that she met God in that moment when he came for her, with her fierce blue eyes alight, saying, I am ready. I delight in knowing that she met her Lord, who looked upon her lovingly and proudly. I know he celebrated her in life and welcomed her in death. And after so many years apart, she is reunited with Grandpa Chalmer again, her sweetheart and partner, her co-parent and her co-pilot. And she is also reunited with her beautiful daughter, Jaylene. I am comforted knowing that they are all together again. While we miss her dearly, I celebrate that she won't suffer from aching loneliness anymore. I smile knowing that she is surrounded by friends and family who've gone before her, and I imagine a huge welcoming party up there in heaven where she is the honored guest. She always did love a good party. I imagine her dancing up a storm right about now effortlessly, her blue eyes sparkling, her body healed and healthy for all eternity. How blessed we are to have such an angel now looking down on us, praying for us and guiding us in our days. I suspect that Grandma Jane would not want us to be sad. She would want us to dance unapologetically and often. She would want us to sing loudly. She would want us to drive fast with the windows down and the engine roaring, the sunroof open naturally. She would want us to dress up, to live like we mean it, fearlessly and purposefully. She would want us to love one another with abandon and to celebrate daily. Use the good china, drink the good stuff, wear the fancy outfit, stop saving the quote good stuff for some special occasion, enjoy it today for no reason specifically other than we are alive in this moment and that is a gift. She would tell us to get busy living and to live without regrets, to do the things, all the things, and tell your family often how much you love them. Take the trip, take the chance, live on purpose, pedal to the metal, bury that speedometer needle, get after it, I think she'd say. When we think of the legacy that we build during our lives and leave behind in our death, let us follow her example. She leaves her family knowing how much she loved us. She leaves the communities where she lived, the churches she attended, the friends she had, all better for having known her. On our side of the family tree, she passes the torch now to her two sons to guide and lead our family. She leaves behind a happy, healthy, and united family. She leaves her four granddaughters with her drive and determination. Her fire burns in us as we carry on the Hotman name. In short, she has left behind a legacy of love and of purpose. Should I ever be blessed with a daughter, I hope to give her the name Jane, a signal of the strength grace and grit that flows in our veins and a testament a testament to one of the greatest 
women I've ever known. Grandma Jean. You will be dearly missed. Forever loved, never forgotten. Thank you for being our guiding light, our brilliant and bright matriarch, now and forever. Until we meet again, we love you.